Hello, people of Earth. Welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and this is episode number 51, and it's part four of our series that we're doing called Glenn's Friends. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, first of all, welcome. Uh, Welcome to the fun and games. Uh, The What If Project podcast explores the question of Uh, What if there are ways of understanding God, the Bible, spirituality, church, yada, 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 that are different uh, than the ways in which our traditions have handed us? And I'm a former pastor, uh, seminary, graduate, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things I love to do is craft um, messages, teachings, sermons, uh, whatever it is that you want to call it. I love to do that. And so what I do in this podcast is if there are like four weeks in a month, uh, typically three of those weeks are me uh, talking through something. We might do a series of some sorts, uh, do a series of messages or thoughts or whatever. And then usually one week in the month is me doing an interview with somebody. So just having a conversation with a maybe a pastor, an author, a thinker, a theologian, uh, whatever. But this month, this month is something a little bit different. Uh, like I said, the series is called Glenn's Friends. And every month in the month of July, so that's five or every month in the month, what am I talking about? Every week in the month of July, uh, I'm talking to a different person, a different friend um, about a certain topic. Uh, so, so far I've talked to uh, guys like Brad Jersak who talked to us about his book um, on hell uh, we talked to Kent Dobson, uh, who is a former megachurch pastor. We talked to Colby Martin about his book, Unclobbered. And today, uh, we're talking to a new friend. His name is Danny Prada. Uh, if you don't know him, you need to look him up on Facebook. He's a pastor of a church in Florida, so you'll hear more about that in a little bit. Uh, but the episode is called Danny Prada Talks to Us About uh, the gospel, eternal life, and responding to people who don't like what you believe. So how do you talk to your critics uh, who come at you, uh, who fire at you on social media when you post something or share something that they don't like or they don't agree with? So he'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, he'll talk about eternal life, and he will talk to us about the gospel. So good stuff coming. Uh, but before we jump into all of that, um, I have a few things to share slash remind you of. So number one, uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash what if project. I hate talking about this because I don't like asking people for money. Uh, so I'm kind of learning exactly how it is that you share Patreon with your listeners. Uh, but what I've been saying is, hey, if this has encouraged you, if this podcast has inspired you, challenged you, whatever, and you feel so led by the Spirit uh, of the Lord, and you are able to, uh, head over to patreon.com slash project, and there you can support the show uh, for anywhere from $3 a month up to $30 a month, or you can kind of name your own price of anywhere in between, below, or higher. And every one of those tiers um, has its own reward, or something that you get um, in return for supporting the show. So head over there, uh, check that out, patreon.com slash whatifproject. Um, all the money 
goes towards uh, what I call keeping the lights on here at the What If Project. So kind of helping me um, pay for the hosting fees for the blog, uh, for the podcast, uh, for the all those different kind of things. That costs money. Who who would think, right? But it costs money. Uh, so the money that you give goes towards that. And then whatever is above that is going aside for um, different events that I have planned or different things I would like to do with this podcast. Uh, so one of the things I just did is I actually got to go to the Wild Goose Festival uh, for two days in Hot Springs, North Carolina, which is a gathering of uh, progressive Christians. So I got to get the ticket uh, to go there, I got a ticket for what's called Wisdom Camp, which was part of um, the festival. Um, and then I got to uh, stay in a hotel overnight. And all of that uh, was funded by uh, the patrons of the What If Project podcast. So those of you, there are nine of you who give to this thing every single month. Thank you. Uh, that was a, I would say... I would even go as far as to say that those two days were life-altering for me, uh, perspective-changing, and I'm going to be sharing some of those things in the upcoming weeks, uh, but thank you so much. Your giving and your generosity helped me to do something that I would not have been able to do otherwise, in addition to funding uh, the the podcast and the blog and all that stuff for the hosting fees. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If that's something that you want to partake in, um, again, patreon.com slash what if project. So done with that, done with that now. Uh, next thing I want to talk to you about, if you could, um, head over to iTunes or the podcast app if you have an iPhone, um, and if you could rate and review the show. So right now we have 32 um, reviews, or no, sorry, 32 ratings. I think there's like 20-something reviews. So rating is like give it a f one to five-star rating, and then a review is where you kind of write a blurb about the podcast. And from what I'm learning about iTunes is that the more of these that there are, uh, somehow that works in uh, like in favor of the algorithms for the show. So if somebody goes into iTunes and they search spirituality or God or the Bible, whatever, uh, this podcast has a greater chance of popping up on their screen if there are a lot of ratings and reviews. So if you could do that for me, that would be huge. If you don't like the show, don't do it. I'm just kidding. Go there and be honest, uh, whatever you think, one to five stars, and talk a little bit about it so when people find it, uh, they can read the reviews and uh, have a general idea of what they're getting into when they hit play. So thank you so much for that. Next thing, man, I'm just rolling through things. So next thing, uh, we started up a closed Facebook group, uh, which is really cool. So we have about 45 people in there right now. Um, it's a closed group, meaning that a, you know somebody can't just go in there and read stuff and respond. You have to be, you have to um, request to be involved in the group, or I have to invite you to the group. Um, then you have to answer a question, and then you get accepted into the group. And in this group, there are like 45 people uh, who are talking, sharing, dialoguing about their faith, their questions. It's like a come as you are group. Everybody's welcome. All your questions are welcomed. Uh, anything, wherever you are in your life and your spiritual life, um, it is welcome in this place. And people are waiting there with open arms to greet you. So go check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes and I'll also post it um, on the Facebook page as well. Last thing, uh, special music, same special mu music as we had last week. Uh, my friend before Jane just released his brand new album. 
uh, which is also called Before Jane. Um, he is a solo artist, a talented, talented, talented young man that I have actually known since he was like, uh, like one years old, one year old, one whatever. I've known him for a long, long time, and uh, I've gotten to watch him grow sometimes very closely. Uh, but his family had moved away, so um, also from afar, and I'm very impressed with this guy and uh, just his love uh, for people, um, his love for God, and his love and a desire to make a difference in this world. So go check it out. His music is great. I'll put all of that stuff also in the show notes. He's on Spotify, Apple Music, goes by the name Before Jane. Do yourself a favor and check it out. So all of that to say, uh, I am now going to shut up and uh, roll the tape on Pastor Danny Prada. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It's a great day for you and I to be here because uh, we're talking with, I think one of the, maybe the best preachers that I know of, uh, Pastor Danny Prada of Heartway Church, uh, all the way down in the sunshine state of Florida. So Danny, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. And, and, and don't, don't set that expectation so high. People are going to think that I'm better than I am. I just set the bar really high. So you've got to hit that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. I'm really excited to be here, and I think it's been uh, super cool to see like all the growth from the podcast and the people you've been able to reach. So, appreciate what you do. Thank you so much. I'm excited to uh, to have you. So, uh, I've been dying literally to talk to you, and uh, this is my my shot. So, I'm going to keep my my questions to a minimum, but I've got a lot. Um, sure. I've been following you on social media for I don't know how long has it been, like a year or two. We've been Probably about a year and a half or so, yeah. Something like that. And uh, I'm always amazed at the stuff you share because you're not, you're not somebody who's afraid to tackle like what I would call the big, fat, sacred cows of the church. You know, things like yeah. hell and eternal life and salvation and the cross and sexuality. And I would say that I think you even push the boundaries that our traditions have set up so that people are pushed to think a little bit deeper um, about Jesus and what the Jesus way is all about. And I really appreciate that about you because a lot of people shy away from some of those topics, but you, you really go at them. It's been an interesting journey. I, I really just have been sharing from what I've experienced. And so as I've kind of gone on this journey of rediscovering my faith, the, the church uh, ha, has come along with me. And it, it's interesting because I use that word rediscovery very intentionally now, because mm. before I called, I, I would call my path of like questioning my fundamentalism and my evangelical background mm. as deconstruction. But, but now I feel on the other side of that journey that it's just been more and more of a rediscovery, like mm. coming back to what the heart of Jesus was all about from the beginning and what Christianity has always been, but we have lost sight of, especially uh, in the Western American church. So, mm. I think it was uh, in one of uh, recent podcasts by, I think Rob Bell, he was talking about that word radical. The root is rad, radish. Mm -hmm. And it talks about the roots and it's not so much going astray, but just going deeper wow. into the, 
the, wow. the roots. Yeah. You know what? I had heard him say that a lot a long time ago when I used to like listen to every Robcast. And mm. now that you brought that up, I, I'm hearing it at such a different level than I did back then. It's very interesting. It really is. So before we get into some of our questions uh, for our listeners and for myself too, if you could just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, who are you, maybe a little bit about your journey, uh, your church, all that good kind of stuff. Yeah. So I am 29 years old. I'm a church planter in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I've served also as a chaplain for the last five years. I've been bivocational until just recently. I've uh, taking the dive to be full-time at, at the church that my wife and I started. But I grew up in an evangelical setting. Hmm. I was a part of a Southern Baptist church for a long time, but Christianity wasn't really necessarily a part of uh, my life more than just going to church on Sunday. I, and I kind of went because I had to, and it was just a part of my family and our culture and what we did. But when I got to college, uh, I definitely had uh, a deeper experience of God that led me to kind of shift paths. And I, my freshman year of college decided, you know what, I don't want to study business anymore. I want to study theology and maybe even uh, pastor one day. And so uh, I transferred to a school in West Palm Beach called Palm Beach Atlantic University. And during that time, as I was working on my degree, I also got ordained as a pastor when I was 21 at a local evangelical megachurch. And then from that, uh, I actually graduated and went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And mm -hmm. during those days, I was just like super reformed theology guy that got mad at everybody else who... <laughs> with anything that I said. Yep. And, uh, I went through that little phase, but then after I graduated in 2014, I, I started to just ask some questions because uh, the, the background that I had, the training that I was given um, at, at, at the seminary I went to was kind of narrow-minded. They weren't very ecumenical. And um, my life, in my life, I've always been exposed to diversity. So I live in South Florida. So diversity is definitely a thing. Awesome, yeah. half, of my, half of my family's charismatic. The other half is Roman Catholic. And so it, it, it didn't make sense when I was being told that my way of Christianity was really the one true, pure way of being Christian and everybody else kind of had it wrong or didn't really know God, even though they thought they did. And so that paradigm stopped working for me. And I started to ask questions and I started to meet people and I started to read a little more broadly. Hmm. And, and that led me uh, to, to really where I am today, a, a, a very long journey into the heart of what uh, Christianity is ultimately all about. And, and, and for me and for us at Heartway, uh, what we say is that Christianity is not a system of beliefs, but a way of life. Mm -hmm. It's a way of being in the world. And so that's kind of what we focus on. So Heartway Church kind of grew out of uh, this spiritual journey that I have been on to really uh, rediscover my faith and to, and to know God in, in Christ. Mm. That's really cool that you can do that um, on the platform that you, you are on and have people do it with you because I'm sure that you encounter a lot of people in your pews every yep. Sunday who are struggling with the same things that you did. Yep. And it's yeah. interesting because there's, you know, our, our main target is the spiritual, but not religious crowd. And, and, mm. and there's a lot of them in South Florida and we really speak to those people um, in a way that most others can't. 
just because of the the journey that I've been on personally and that others have been on. I mean, when I come to church on Sundays, I'm still shocked that people even show up. You know, we've had our share of people leave and who we've had our share of people who just can't uh, go down the path that we're going down. They feel like they're being unfaithful or they're compromising uh, in some way their, their, their convictions. But, um, but, but the people who have stayed have really grown in ways that have made this whole thing so incredible in spite of all the criticisms we may get. That's really good. So when you first started like asking your your questions after seminary um, and you started to explore things, did you did you have like a group of people that you explored with? Was it primarily by yourself? Did you just kind of go and read some stuff or like what was what was your like pathway um, once you started to ask the questions? Yeah, well, my my pathway in terms of like my my intellectual study of theology and like all the shifts that happened there was, was very much uh, a solitary journey. Mm. And for a while I didn't feel like I had anybody to talk to about any of these things because these ideas are crazy and I know nobody has heard about them. So that felt very lonely. And even for a while at my own church, there was a time where I, you know, I, I, I just mentioned this, couple of months ago for the first time, but there was a period of time that I felt like I didn't even fit in or belong in the community that I had started. Mm. So for a while, Heartway just kind of felt like a place that um, I was able to uh, uh, create in order to, to facilitate community for others. But in terms of community for myself and my wife, I don't, I don't know if we can, because we're, we, they, these people may think I'm a little too far, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> so yeah. I'm a little too out there. That's a little and, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, eventually though, like I, you know, I had so many questions, so many questions and, and, and eventually that led me down to, uh, this bottom line that I, we, we're not going to have answers to all of the questions we have, mm. nor is the spiritual journey anything about having answers to questions. So nowadays, um, I don't even know if there are any questions that I feel I need to have answers for. I definitely have questions, but I don't have any anxiety around those questions. Mm. Uh, for me now, the journey has become much less about the mind and a lot more about connecting uh, with the heart, mm. you know, and then, and then, and then moving and living out from there. So that's good. What would be like one piece of advice that you would give to somebody? Cause I have a lot of listeners who are really fresh on this beginning, this journey. So like what, what advice would you give to that person who's feeling lonely? They're feeling like nobody understands them. They're maybe still involved in their old church community and they're feeling left out. They're feeling like the outcast. They don't know who to talk to Like, what would your advice be to that person? Oh, well, there's a lot of things I would say, but I guess what's coming to me now is that you're not alone. Hmm. (laughs) There are so many people Hmm. who have experienced what it is that you're experiencing and that ultimately it does not matter what other people say or think about your journey because it's your journey that's right not anybody else's and so the last thing you need to do is feel any sort of guilt or shame 
for asking the questions that you're asking and going down the path that you're going down because this is about your freedom and your integrity as a human being. And there came a point when I decided that my integrity mattered more than anybody's opinion or perception of me. And when I was finally able to step into the fullness of, of, of truth, of what I knew as truth from my own experience, and I let go of, of needing to have people like me or even understand or needing to have them understand my journey, that's when I was able to step into uh, this, this newfound joy and, and confidence that I feel I have. So hopefully that'll encourage some folks. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into some, some questions. I'd love if you could talk to us a little bit about um, the gospel message. And that's something I see you talk a lot about on social media. Like what exactly is, would you say is the gospel message of Jesus? And I asked that because for me and uh, a lot of my listeners, I was raised to believe that, you know, the gospel is very simply that humanity is sinful. Um, sin needs to be punished. So God sent Jesus to take the punishment. If I believe that I go to heaven when I die, if I don't, I go to hell. And my job is to be sort of like a missionary and tell everybody about this good news so that as many people as possible end up in the good place um, at the end of time. So uh, what would you say is the gospel? Is that the gospel or are we missing something? Yeah, I don't know how in the world the message for us became about escaping reality. Mm. But when I look to the life of Jesus, this, this whole thing was about immersing ourselves even more deeply into the experience of reality. Mm. I can't tell you how many times, and I saw somebody not too long ago uh, post something on social media about uh, the fact that they, could, they, they couldn't wait to just leave this body and finally be in heaven <laughs> with God and leave this world of suffering and evil and chaos. And I was reminded of the times that I actually thought the same thing. Mm. And, and, and I was so concerned with what would happen far off in the future after I die that I would miss out on the beauty and the gift that life is right now. Mm. And so when the question, what is the gospel? I always like to go back to Jesus and what Jesus called the gospel. And the scriptures say that Jesus would go from town to town and village to village, preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God. Mm. He would say the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. Mm. The good news is that the world is God's dwelling place, that all of creation is the expression of God's love and God's power and God's beauty, that you and I are children of God, mm. and that all of us belong. All of us are included. Everybody is invited to the wedding banquet of God's kingdom. And it's interesting when Jesus describes the kingdom of God, he always uses the uh, analogies and metaphor of banquets and mm. parties and dinners because Jesus was trying to point people to the fact that life is so much more than we often think it to be. You know, we, 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 so many of us have such a, a, a minimized experience of life because we don't see the fullness of what life is. You know, and so the gospel is a call for us to wake up to the beauty of life and the goodness of life. And what I love too is that 
when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, he talked about it not just as a present reality, but as a future reality. Mm-hmm. So theologians talk about the kingdom as something that is already, but not yet. It is already present, but not yet fully realized. So not only is the kingdom of, of God something that is already among us and within us that we are called to wake up to, but the kingdom of God is, is, is where everything is headed. God is taking all of creation somewhere. God, through the Spirit, is at work uh, bringing about new life, healing, wholeness. And you and I are invited to participate with God in this process of restoring all things, renewing all things, bringing about uh, greater unity and love and harmony in the world. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, we can go on and on about what the message is, but it really is good news. There's a, there's a positive flow to history. This is all headed somewhere, which means we can live with faith. We can live with hope. We can live in love and uh, we can rise above hmm. our suffering. Hmm. You know, I love the, that you said that um, the kingdom is already present, but it's also not yet. It's in the future. And I know, you know, for me thinking back, that was a phrase I heard a lot, like in Bible college and seminary, and the idea always was that the future piece was the emphasis and the future was, um, you know, what's going to happen after we die. So it goes back to that heaven and that versus hell thing. But the way that you're talking about it is that all of creation is headed somewhere. Like right. everything is included. Everybody is included. And that's the good, that's the good news. And I, I love that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. That's what it, that's what it's always been about, you mm. know? So I, 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 I love that Jesus made it so simple. Jesus made it so simple. When one of the teachers of the law went up to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments. You tell me what they are. Hmm. And the teacher responded by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you got it. Do this. And you will live. That's and then it. he goes on to tell the story of the Good Samaritan to just in case we don't know what it really means to love God and love neighbor, here's an example of what that looks like. And by the way, if you're really gonna live this out, it's gonna mean you loving people who are really different than you, even people that you consider to be your enemies. Mm. But that is that that's what God's kingdom is all about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the the fact that the kingdom is here is 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 the beauty that we don't have to look for God anywhere out there. You know, mm-hmm. God is within us. God is in the face of the poor. God is in the, in the, in the oppressed and in those who are hurting. And, and when we join hands with them to, to bring about a, and create a better world, that's when we see, you know, uh, uh, heaven come to earth. Mm. That's good. I think too, like when we miss the, the here and the now and we make uh, like salvation out to be something about the future, uh, we really, it becomes easy to almost neglect our responsibilities to care for our neighbor, right. uh, to care for our enemies, to pray for our enemies, to care for creation. Because uh, the reality is that, like you said, uh, the gospel message is about the here and now just as much as it is about the future. Yeah. Exactly. You mm. know, exactly. God is, God is not far away. God is closer to us than our very breath. Mm. You know, that's why when, when Jesus says in the gospel of Luke, the kingdom of God is within us. It's like, no, this has to become a reality in us. Like, this is about the way we choose to be in the world. Mm. It starts with us. We've got to be the change that we want to see. 
you know so um that that for me too i like how paul puts it when he says that he's committed to preach nothing but christ and him crucified that's another easy way to summarize the gospel you know god has revealed the divine self through the person of jesus and this divine self-expression reaches its pinnacle on the cross this is what love looks like this is what it looks like to lay your life down for the sake of healing the world this is who god is this and this is, this is the kind of god that created us mm. you know these realizations create huge shifts huge transformation mm. and then i guess believing in jesus then becomes not so much about escaping hell when you die as much as it is about um joining into a way of life of love exactly because yeah. jesus said in the gospel of john eternal life is to know god Hmm. So a lot of us get caught up in knowing about God, especially those of us who come from the brainy, intellectual side of Christianity, you Church. know, most of us who come from evangelicalism, hmm. you know, it's all about rearranging our mental furniture. But what Jesus called us to is to, is to, is to a life that's lived in the spirit. Mm. You know, it's not about having all the answers. It's about actually experiencing God in our everyday life. There's a difference between knowing about God and, and knowing God, having the God experience. Mm. God is not a, a noun. God is a verb. Mm. God is an experience that we enter into, you mm. know, and that experience is the experience of love. Mm. That's good. I think it's Richard Rohr who talks about kind of like that tricycle idea that there's uh, your faith is made up of your experience and your in the scriptures and your tradition, but experience is the front wheel. Experience drives right. kind of where you're going. Right, right. Yeah. exactly. And that's, mm. I mean, Jesus modeled this super clearly. You know, that's why people would get mad at him for healing on the Sabbath. Mm. Because Jesus would see somebody that was sick. And even though the law said and the tradition said, you've got to rest on the Sabbath, when Jesus saw a human being that was hurting, he decided to prioritize compassion over law keeping. <laughs> you know, right. he decided to prioritize people and human beings over dogmas and traditions and rules. Hmm. You know, so he shows us that we have to allow God to come to us and speak to us through our experience. Hmm. Otherwise, we're going to get locked into um uh paradigms that are going to value principles over people you know rules and traditions over relationships and that's and that's when we miss the point <laughs> literally yeah that's really good so let's hit another let's hit on another topic uh talk to me about eternal life because i heard you preach a sermon um a while back about how eternal life doesn't mean spending eternity in heaven with god uh, but rather it refers to the jewish idea called the life of the ages so uh, what the heck is that? And uh, why is it so important for us to to know? Yeah, so sometimes I make that distinction because I know when people read through the Gospels and they read phrases like eternal life or eternal punishment, they uh, have been kind of trained to interpret that to mean quantity of life. Mm. So eternal life is like life forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in heaven when we die. Yep. And eternal punishment is just suffering forever and ever and ever and ever and ever after we die. Yep. But 
but those are, are, are ideas that we've actually imported into those phrases because those phrases are, are, are specifically Jewish terms and phrases that carry a lot of meaning and that have their own context. Hmm. And uh, in the Jewish mindset, it wasn't about leaving earth and going somewhere else after we die. The whole story is about God bringing liberation and bringing hope and bringing peace on earth as it is in heaven. It's about this world becoming the place that God has always intended for it to be. Hmm. So eternal life isn't about life forever and ever. It's about the life of the age to come. And Hmm. the age to come in the Jewish mindset is everything that we've been talking about. Hmm. The age to come was about the fulfillment of God's kingdom on earth. It was about God's dream for the world coming alive. A world where there would be no more violence, no more suffering, no more, no more uh, uh, hatred and jealousy, no more greed. Hmm. Or, okay, so it's, it's a renewed world. It's the, the vision is a new heaven and a new earth. When, when God and humanity can finally uh, uh, join in this beautiful union. Hmm. And so that is the vision that Jesus would point to, that the Jewish prophets would point to. That's why uh, uh, a lot of my rabbi friends talk about their, their idea of fulfillment as tikkun olam. And hmm. tikkun olam uh, in the Hebrew simply means repairing the world. So for them, when they read all about these prophecies about the end times, okay, and God creating a new heaven and a new earth, for the Jewish people, this is not about something that happens after you die. It's about repairing this world. Mm. It, it, this, this is God's dwelling place. The kingdom is here. We mm. get to wake up to that reality, participate in it, and realize that we've always been included since the beginning. Mm. That's good news, you know, and that's what it means to have eternal life. Hmm. To possess eternal life is to possess the very life of God within your soul. Hmm. So, all you, of us, yeah. yeah, no, go ahead, please. No, I said all of us are already united with God. All, are, all of us already have the life and the breath of God within us. Hmm. We just oftentimes ignore it or don't see it or don't know it. Hmm. So eternal life is almost like an awakening of oh, what's always been there. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So would you say then also that eternal life, I guess it, it's kind of like a, maybe a partnership with God to create the world as he always intended it to be? Yeah, in one sense, we hmm. can talk about it that way. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I just, like I said, my favorite definition is, is Jesus is when he says eternal life is to know God. Hmm. So what does it mean to know God? You can't know God intellectually. It's impossible. It's impossible. God can only be known experientially. Eternal life is a, is a way of being. It's a mode of living. Hmm. It's a life that is connected, connected to source, connected to nature, connected to self, connected to neighbor. Hmm. You, when you're living in that flow of relationship and love, which is the very structure of what reality is, it's, it's the very nature of who God is. Hmm. When, we're, when we're living in that flow of self-giving love, and forgiveness and gratitude we are living and experiencing eternal life and eternal life is always there always available Hmm. we are simply the ones that have to wake up to it Hmm. and appropriate it in our own life yeah how did we how did the church do you think lose sight of that uh that definition of eternal life like where did that other 
where did that other way of understanding eternal life seep into our theologies along the way? Have you encountered any, anything on that? Somehow, you know, we turned it all into a reward and punishment system. Hmm. You know, we, we turned religion into uh, a weapon, essentially, to set ourselves apart from other people. Hmm. You know, we turned the Bible into a, a, a book of, of principles and, 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 and rules. Hmm. And, 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 you know, I was uh, talking with, with a friend of mine recently who gave me this wonderful idea. She said, you know, the, the Bible should come with a warning label on it. <laughs> And she said, you know how if you have uh, tobacco, usually, or, or cigarettes, there's a warning label on the package yeah. that says, hey, be careful, because if you have this, it may cause cancer. And uh, she said, you know, the Bible should have a warning label, and it should say, be careful, because if you consume this, it, it, it may start war. Yeah. <laughs> it may cause mm. self-righteousness. Mm. It, it, it may cause a, a, a lot of division. <laughs> and it's true. It, it's It's... It's about how we have used religion. It's about how we have used the biblical text. You know, so the, the, the way I said it to the church not too long ago was, if you want to know God, don't start by reading the Bible. Start by being kind. Mm. You know, because how you understand God, how you read the scripture says a lot more about you than it does about God. Mm. And so I think the reason why Christianity has become what it is, is because people who are very immature people who are uh, more concerned with their own selfish needs and the needs of others have taken Christianity and used it to justify their own very unchristlike living. And mm. that's just become what is the norm. And that's what throws so many people off because people say Jesus's name and they go to church, but their life doesn't look anything like his mm. You know, yeah, we see a lot of that in our politics today, don't we? <laughs> oh my goodness, please! For sure, it, it's it's it, I, it's it's even hard. I, it's hard for me to take many of those conversations seriously because of just the so much argumentativeness. Yeah, people don't even listen to each other. They don't even see the other person as a human. We mm -hmm. dehumanize one another, and we argue over things that, my goodness, first of all. Arguing isn't going to get you anywhere. When was the last time you being angry and calling somebody a name and judging their motives and intentions got them to change their perspective about something? Never. <laughs> Never. Never. Yeah. Never. Hmm. So our problem is we've been taught that unless we're not mad, if we're not mad, if we're not anxious, if we're not speaking out, if we're not like, you know, speaking truth to power, then we must be doing something wrong. Hmm. Let me tell you something. I took a nice little break from saying anything about my opinions about anything on social media. And over this little break, I feel like I have made 10 times more of an impact in actually changing society mm. than I was when I was harping and arguing with people that I never have met in my life and that I probably will never come across in my real life because mm. I'm actually having conversations with real human beings. Mm. And when I have a face-to-face -face conversation, they hear my heart, they know my intention, and the conversation goes a totally different way. Mm. But that's what's that's why the heart of the purpose of religion is to get us to love. That's the whole point of our Christianity. Mm. The whole point of this thing is not so much about having faith in Jesus as much as it is having the faith of Jesus. 
His faith must become our faith. His journey must become our journey. His path must become our path. And when we're willing to do that, you know, Jesus, when he was taken to be crucified, what did the scriptures say? He was like a, a, a sheep or a lamb taken to the slaughter with a, and he, do you know that? Are you a better Bible person than me? I know what you're talking about. I, I know. Let's, yeah. Let's, why don't we Google it since I'm such a horrible do it. memorizer right now. Okay. Like a sheep led to the slaughter. Let, what does this verse say? He was, a, he, uh, he was a pre, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before it's shearer and my computer freezes. Anyways, y'all know the, the, the scripture. <laughs> But his point is, okay, yeah. The point is he didn't open his mouth. As a sheep is silent before the shearers, Jesus did not open his mouth. Hmm. You know, what would it look like for us to tap back into silence, to learn how to do our activism and our justice work from a place of inner peace and inner stillness? Those conversations will go a totally different way, hmm. you know? And I love that you said that you know, faith is about, it's about not about believing in Jesus as much as about having the faith of Jesus. And I think that's, I think that's huge because if all we have is faith in Jesus, that doesn't really require a whole heck of a lot of me. No, it's really just about me signing on a dotted line saying, yeah, I believe that. That sounds good to me, but it doesn't necessarily have to seep into the way that I live my life. But if I have the faith of Jesus and like Paul says, if we're in Christ and Christ is in us, then that requires me to really change the way I live. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. That's what it is. And I would even go as far to say that faith in Jesus and uh, having faith in Jesus and having the faith of Jesus are one in the same. Mm. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. And if you were to look at most of the references in our New Testament, in Paul's writings, where he uses the phrase faith in Jesus or faith in Christ, there's a little asterisk there. And if you go to the bottom of your Bible, you will see that that can also be rendered as faith of Jesus. Mm. And there's a reason for that. That's you know? That's good. So uh, this is a good segue into my, my next question. I'm going to make this my last one. Um, but as we've alluded to, your, your ideas are, and kind of what you preach in the pulpit is not what you'd find in most pulpits across um, America. Uh, your stuff is fresh. It's more progressive. It's real. Um, kind of cuts against that norm of what we might hear um, in most churches on Sunday. And I'm sure that you've gotten like a lot of positive feedback because I see it on, on your Facebook page and stuff. But um, I'm wondering what kind of negative uh, feedback have you received and maybe even particularly behind the scenes apart from social media. And then a follow-up question to that would be what kind of advice would you give to people who are traveling uh, down the road that you're on kind of taking heavy fire from their older uh, tribes of people? Because um, I have a, actually I have actually have a, a closed Facebook group for the uh, What If Project, and there's about 45 of us in there, and we kind of dialogue about this stuff. And there's a lot of people that I'm seeing who are like, I'm changing some things I believe in, and I'm being more vocal about it. But man, I am taking heavy fire from people, and like I don't know how to handle it. Wow. What are your thoughts for them? Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I had a conversation actually uh, a couple of months ago. It was a pretty difficult conversation. Somebody 
uh, who had been a part of our community for a little while and they were really uh, contributing at a high level. And they decided to leave the church because of a few uh, theological differences. And they had come from more uh, conservative background and a lot of the interfaith work that we do uh, and a lot of the things that I said just kind of wasn't jiving with them. And, and one, of the, one, one, of the, one of the people I was talking to, the, the husband in this, in this uh, relationship was telling me, you know, Danny, it's just that I feel like you, you kind of, uh, you're not really saying the things that offend people, you know, your, 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 your message isn't offensive enough. You water it down so that it's easy for people to, you know, to, to, to swallow. But, but the truth is, is, is a hard pill to swallow. You know, I want to be offended and I want to. And so (laughs) after he said that to me, I said, well, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, because I think it's actually the opposite with us. Mm. We do offend a lot of people. And I do agree that the message of Jesus was very offensive. Mm. But I think that you believe it was offensive for all of the wrong reasons. Mm. Jesus's message was not offensive because he excluded other people. Jesus's message wasn't exclusive because he was very Mm. narrow-minded. Jesus's message was uh, offensive because of its inclusivity. You know, and so I said, that's, that's, our church does offend a lot of people. <laughs> we, <laughs> we offend people with our love. We offend people with who it is that we embrace. We offend people with who it is we allow to lead at a high level at our church. We offend people with uh, the, our, 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 our belief that God's love, you know, encompasses everyone and everything and that God's spirit dwells in everyone and in everything. So, uh, you know, I, I like how Richard Rohr says it when he says the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. Mm. So for people who are, who are in a similar place and, and they're, they're getting heat for what they're saying, just don't give it any energy. Mm. You give energy to being who, you know, you have been called to be, you do what you have been called to do and you let God take care of the rest. You know, mm. what other people think, what other people do is their problem. It's really not yours. You know, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I always find it funny when somebody says, I had somebody say to me once, like, you know, your, your message isn't offensive enough. I'm like, well, it's offending you. <laughs> well, yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. That's how it works. You yeah. Know? Oh, that's so good. Uh, hey man, well, we're just about out of time. Um, I don't want to keep you too long, but uh, this has been fantastic. I thank you for taking some time to join me, answer some of my questions. And um, again, thank you so much for what you're doing down in Florida. Um, your messages are fantastic. Uh, can you tell our listeners real quick, where can they go to find you, maybe even watch your sermons on Sundays? Sure. Uh, well, thank you for having me as well. And anybody can find me on social media. Just look for Danny Prada. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, I, put, I put up some clips of a lot of my sermons. But if you want to hear the whole thing, uh, you can search our church, Heartway Church, on Podbean or on iTunes. And uh, you can check out more of what we do at heartwaychurch.com. So. Beautiful. Well, thank you, sir. Um, it's good to talk to you. And we'll have you on again soon. Thanks, man. appreciate it. I had fun. Thank you, me too. Man, that was so good, wasn't it? Uh, I was serious up front in the beginning when I said that I think Danny is one of the best preachers 
um, that I know of. And I know a lot of preachers. I've listened to a lot of sermons. And this guy literally is one of, if not the best, that I've heard. Not only is his delivery good, like when, when you when you preach a sermon, uh, there's content and there's delivery, right? His delivery is fantastic. Um, he can keep you, he can keep your attention uh, perfectly, but his content is so good. Um, a lot of times in a lot of churches, you get the same kind of content, right? So they're like really uh, the standard theological ideas or the, the standard narrative of the Bible, right? Uh, we're all sinners. God's mad at sin. Jesus died. He rose again. He took your punishment. You believe that you go to heaven. You don't. You go to hell. That's the story. And all the sermons somehow fit in some part of that narrative. Um, others are like very, um, you know, like rah, rah, rah. You can do it. Life is hard, but God is bigger and everything's going to be okay. And you just keep pushing and keep going and God's going to bless you and all this stuff. Like those are the two kinds of sermons I typically always hear. Danny doesn't do that. Um, he tackles really big topics. And somehow he leaves you at the end feeling inspired and encouraged to go out and make a difference in the world. And I love that. Uh, so you've got to go and check out his sermons. Um, Heartway Church, just Google it. Danny Prada, he will pop up. His sermons will be there. They've got a podcast. It is fantastic. So go and do it. Uh, links will all be in the show notes. Thank you so much for dropping by. Uh, this, again, is episode number 51, part four of Glenn's Friends. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey.